Good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this. Today is a controversial topic. We are continuing our marriage series talking about the role as the wife, the helper, the submissive title, and all the things that go with it. We will unpack what the Bible actually says about the helper role as a wife and God's view of it. As you see God's perspective on what this actually means, you are going to see dramatic changes in your marriage. People have put a huge stigma on the word submissive and helper, and it is seen as a negative thing, but God views it as something so positive. Let's dive in. You might be surprised with what I have to say today. Hey mama, welcome to Restored Mama. Do you wish your days didn't go by in a blur because you are so busy? Ready to kill it as a homeschool mom trying to juggle home, family, and business as well? Does it feel like you're just trying to survive the day until you put your kids to bed? Do you need a time management strategy to balance it all? Hey, I'm Jen. I too was a mom that was trying to do it all but accomplishing nothing. I too felt worn out and drained and wished for freedom and balance in my life. I wanted to enjoy life and live out the calling God placed on me, but I kept telling myself life was always going to be this busy and I would never escape being that hot mess mom who lost her identity to motherhood until I found structure and time management strategies that actually work. In this podcast, you will find ways to prioritize to help you balance it all, learn habits to bring ease in your day, God-centered conversations to help you focus on what is really important and ways to enjoy motherhood so that you will be able to go to bed feeling accomplished and loving life again. Warm up that cold coffee, kick up your feet. You deserve a break. Hello, mama. Did you hear the big news last week? Oh, yep. We are having another baby. I can't believe it. I'm still a little shocked. I haven't gotten used to the idea yet because we weren't planning it. Georgia is praying. It's the little sister she's wanted for so long. God actually gave me a vision years ago and told me we would have a little girl. So maybe this is her. We shall see. I always thought that we would have her through adoption because I thought I was done having kids. But I guess God had different plans, right? We shall see. I'll keep you updated. It's still a little too early to confirm the gender. I'm feeling good, tired, and a little more easily irritable, but I have my systems to deal with it and manage it. I just have to be a little more on top of it now. But as long as I keep food in my system, I feel good, no nausea or anything. I love it. I'm praying for a good and enjoyable pregnancy since this is the last one for sure. I want to savor every moment of it. I was shaken out of my pity party last week. If you listened to the episode, you heard that it wasn't so exciting when I first found out because we thought we were done. I had all sorts of emotions because we weren't planning on having another one right now. When I talked to my life group at church on Thursday, I had no idea that one of the women there was struggling to get pregnant. They have one child that took a long time to get, and they want more but can't get pregnant. As we broke out into our prayer groups, we break out into smaller groups, she told me that she was excited for me, but it's hard when she's trying to have a baby and she hears somebody say that they weren't thrilled when they found out that they were pregnant. It shook me out of all my crazy emotions and just reminded me of when I was in that place. I had multiple miscarriages before my boys came into the world, and I was where that mom is now. I cried every time I heard someone was pregnant, not because I wasn't happy for them, but because my heart hurt and I longed so much to have another baby. It reminded me that this child is a gift from God. 
He chose to give her to us, and I choose to be excited and put any fear or superficial thoughts aside and thank him for his gift to us. A lot of the women in my group listen to this podcast. So, Mama, if you're listening, you know who you are. I want to say thank you. Thank you for getting me back to a thankful and excited state for this baby. We prayed for her at the end, and we are trusting that God is going to bless her with many, many children. Okay, enough of my personal life about the baby. Let's dive into the marriage topic for today. This is going to be good. All right, here we go. Oh, don't forget, you have less than a month to get that huge discount on the Restored Mama Method. January 1st, it goes back to full price. The program gets you six months of group coaching with me where we can dive into all things marriage, motherhood, and relationship with God. We'll create systems and routines and mindset shifts. As you dive into the Restored Mama Method, you will see a dramatic change in your perspective in your ability to hear God speak and your fulfillment in your role as a mom and wife. You won't feel so bogged down and overwhelmed with daily life. You will actually enjoy your days and have time to spend on things that you're passionate about too. Who thought that was possible? Well, guess what? It is. What a great way to start the new year off with a whole new joy and passion for the life that you were given. I know with Christmas and kids and all the things holiday season brings, it's tough to put money down on something for yourself. That's why I have the big discount available and Also, I have an easy payment plan, so it's not such a huge hit for you during the season. You need to do something for yourself so that you can be the person you need to be for those you love. Use this time to take a God-centered approach to your marriage and motherhood so you can see the changes that you have only dreamed of. You can get all the details at RestoredMama.com. I read the full section of Genesis when God created Eve last week. If you haven't listened to that episode, linked in the show notes, easy to get to. We are talking about one specific verse for this week, though. Genesis 2.18 The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And that was Eve. The Hebrew word, now stay with me. We're going to get a little bit biblical here. The Hebrew word translated as helper in this context is ezer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I do not speak Hebrew. The term Ezer doesn't imply subordination or inferiority. It's meant to really relate a sense of strength, support, and aid. And that is the word that is used as helper for what Eve was created as for Adam. It's a term used throughout the Old Testament all over to describe various instances where God has really portrayed a helper or a source of strength, and that was God. How cool is that? That's the same word that is used when saying that Eve was created as the Ezer, the helper for Adam. If we replace helper with the definition of the Hebrew word, it would read, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a support, a sense of strength, and someone to aid that is suitable for him. Doesn't that sound awesome? In the context of Genesis 2.18, The term helper is used to describe the creation of Eve as a suitable partner for Adam. We talked a lot about partnership and companionship last week. The idea is that Eve is designed to complement and support Adam, forming a partnership that really reflects God's intention for marriage. We talked all about his intention and his design and his purpose for marriage last week too. 
The term helper in the biblical context, it really emphasizes a sense of shared responsibility, collaboration, and really a mutual support in the marriage relationship. It's not diminishing the value or the significance of the woman at all. It really boasts in her essential role in aiding and supporting and partnering with her husband in the shared partnership. It's a partnership, companionship, where both people really contribute to each other's well-being and the fulfillment of their purpose in the marriage. God made the woman to be a helper suitable for the man, an ezer suitable for the man. The woman is the missing part of the man. I want you to picture a jigsaw puzzle. It's incomplete if half the pieces are missing or even one piece, you know, that infamous edge piece that seems to always go missing or that one in the center. So it's never complete because it has that one little hole. That is what bothers me so much about puzzles. There's always one missing somehow. Maybe my dog ate it or one of the kids threw it in the garbage. (laughs) I don't know, but there's always something missing. It's the same idea with a marriage. A man is incomplete without his wife. She is that missing puzzle piece. God designed it so that the man needs the woman and the woman needs the man. Both have distinct roles to fulfill in the marriage and they both have a part to play in the marriage. They are both equally important. And that is the premise behind the word helper, Ezer, in this verse. Again, last week I talked all about God's design for marriage. I highly recommend listening to that episode along with this one. We're going to dive deeper into this today. And there's so many more episodes on marriage coming up. We've got a pretty long season for this because I really feel like God wants us to see his purpose and design in marriage and see our roles in marriage and to have a God-centered approach to our marriage because the enemy is out to get it and to diminish what God has called holy. So a lot of times when you think about the word helper in a marriage context for a woman, submission is thought of. That's something that's often frowned upon. People think that when the word submit is used in the context of marriage, it's in a negative way, negative light. Like the wife has to do whatever the husband says because she submits to him and is inferior. That is not what God means in this context. It's a concept of mutual submission. That's the key. It's mutual. It's not just one or the other. It's mutual. In a biblical context, you can find it in Ephesians 5.21, and we're going to spend a moment breaking these verses down, so just stay with me. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This verse sets the stage for all of the verses following that are discussing relationships, including the specific instructions for husbands and wives. The key idea is that the mutual submission is a foundational principle for all believers in their actions with everyone, not just marriage, neighbors, friends, co-workers. And it definitely applies within the context of marriage as well. They specify in these verses, marriage. All right, here's a breakdown of what mutual submission between a husband and wife looks like in a biblical context. And these are the verses following Ephesians 5.21. Ephesians 5.22 through 24. Again, stay with me. I know this is a lot. I'm going to break it all down and we're going to talk through it. It talks about the wife's submission. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, 
and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. These verses instruct wives to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. The submission is not through inferiority, but it is rooted in a voluntary and respectful, and again back to the Ezra helpful, supportive attitude. Us wives are the support, the encouragement, the ones who show our husbands respect. And a little side note here, if you haven't read Love and Respect, you need to read it. It made all the difference in our marriage. We went through the course and everything, and our marriage saw drastic results. It talks through how a husband was created to desire respect and how a wife can show that respect and how a wife was created to really desire love and how the husband can show his wife the love the way that she needs. Ephesians 5, 25 through 33 talks about a husband's love and sacrifice. Husbands are called to love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This sets a high standard for husbands. It really emphasizes the sacrificial love and willingness to provide and prioritize their wives' well-being. Because Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a huge standard for husbands. And then 521, which we read earlier, it talks about the mutual submission between husbands and wives and with everybody else surrounding you. Both the husband and the wife are called to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ when you really break these verses down. The concept of mutual submission implies a shared responsibility. Both the husband and wife are called to consider the other person's needs, their feelings, their well-being of the other, and creating a partnership built on mutual respect and cooperation. And when you look at Jesus's life, we'll get more into this in another episode, but when you look at Jesus's life, coming here as a servant, That is what we are called to be for each other in our marriage. Considering the other person, what do they need? Putting their needs above you. And when both the husband and the wife are doing that, it's just magic. The relationship between husbands and wives is like the relationship between Christ and the church. If you look at all the verses in the comparison, the metaphor emphasizes sacrificial love, servanthood, mutual respect, and honestly, that deep, deep, heartfelt commitment to the flourishing of the other partner. You want them to flourish and thrive. All right, let's put it in practical terms. Mutual submission means that major decisions within the marriage are made collaboratively, together. Both the husband and the wife contribute their perspectives, their decisions, and those decisions are reached through a conversation, through respect, love, and mutual agreement. And sometimes, actually oftentimes, there's going to be some bit of compromise because you're not always going to agree 100%. While both are called to really submit to one another, it doesn't negate and diminish the unique roles and gifts that each person brings into the marriage. It's going to highlight the idea that each partner's strength and contributions are valued and important. We should not diminish what the other one is saying. Mutual submission desires to establish a framework for healthy, loving, respectful relationships inside of a marriage. It provides a foundation for unity and a shared responsibility. When you're putting the other person's needs above your own, for example, I talk a lot about how my husband does the dishes most nights. Some nights I still do them, but majority of the time 
he makes a huge effort to be the one to do the dishes. And if I start, he stops me because he wants me to have a moment to myself since I'm going all day and taking care of everything here in the house and the kids and my business. He sees it as a shared responsibility. Just because it's in the kitchen, just because it's in the house doesn't mean it's my responsibility. We both take partnership and he seeks my needs above his own. He's tired. He wants to sit down and do nothing, but he knows I've been going all day too. I cooked a meal and he is going to share in that responsibility because he cares. It's a mutual shared responsibility for the things surrounding you. It's honoring and uplifting one another in the spirit of reverence for Christ. Honor and uplift your spouse. See, once you break it down and you look at what each verse is talking about, does the husband have dominion over the wife? No. If he's acting in the way that God asked him to, he is loving her with a God love, showing her how special and important she is and putting her needs above his own. And he isn't trying to boss her around and own her. He is loving her in the way that Christ loves his church, putting her needs above his own. But at the same time, the wife is doing the same. She's respecting him, showing him how she honors his input and what matters to him, listening to him and letting him lead the family in a godly way, showing him respect and love. The misconception that being a helper and submitting implies subservience is so unfortunate. Being a helper and being submissive as a wife, if you remember the Greek word, it means strength. Ezer, strength. All right. I know that was a lot of Bible, a lot of breakdown. I hope you stayed with me. Let's get to the life application of it. I'll use some personal examples to walk you through. And you can see how much following this outline that God placed in his word for us has drastically helped our marriage. I was determined to not be ordered around. I told myself I wasn't going to be a doormat. I would always say what I wanted to say and I was going to be heard. That was that. It was a very poor attitude that I entered into our marriage. It was coming from a lot that I saw around me growing up from others around me and in the church. For the first 10 years of my life, I saw the church that we were part of take these verses to a completely different level. I think that's why I'm so passionate about it now. I saw what a human's skewed view can do to others, especially the women. Our family was part of a denomination that oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes, the pastors would preach from the pulpit about how the man is the head. What he says goes. And yes, the Bible does say he is the head, but it doesn't mean he is the boss. It doesn't mean what he says goes. It was very demeaning to the women and was very much speak when you're spoken to, do what you're told type of belief and type of speech. Looking back, it was so sad. I could go on and on about all the things that were preached and taught and how pushed down and diminished the wives were and how much that hurt so many families and so many women. But we don't have time for that. What I saw and how I felt when I got older, I was determined that was not going to be me. It wasn't going to be me. It went to a level that I didn't realize was actually major disrespect to my husband. And it was causing a lot of issues in our marriage. I had a good reason for feeling the way I felt, but I didn't go about it very well. There is a balance. When he said or did something, whether it was intentional or not, and it hurt me or I didn't agree with it, I came at him in a way that was not kind and respectful. It was almost demanding that he see things my way. It didn't work. 
at all. Trust me. It turned into me disrespecting him constantly and him in turn not showing me love the way I needed. And it was just a vicious cycle. More to come on the love and respect episode next week. But me not understanding what the Bible actually was saying on what being submissive meant turned into our marriage failing if things didn't change. They had to change if we were going to actually stay married and enjoy our marriage. Things in our marriage were going downhill fast like rushing to the dumpster fast. I knew I needed to change. We both did, but it needed to start with my heart. That's when I started praying, talking with leaders and couples in our life that could point me in the right direction. We had some couples counseling and we talked to godly people. I learned that supporting and strengthening my husband was the key to what being submissive really is. As I shifted my heart, I shifted the way I spoke, And I learned how to be a supportive and helper, Ezer, to him. Things in our marriage really started to shift immediately. He was no longer instantly defensive in the way he responded to me when I had something to say. He started to show love and affection to me again. Our conversations were effective, and they didn't result in arguments every single time, even if we were just talking about dinner. Somehow, talking about something simple like dinner would end in arguments. He began to listen and be supportive. He would listen to what I had to say instead of shutting me down instantly. All the things I wanted in our marriage, I saw begin to happen. It was amazing. Now, it wasn't instant. There were things that changed instantly, but it wasn't all instant. And we both had things we needed to work on, a whole lot of things on both sides. But this is where it all started. This and learning to love and respect each other. So today and next week's episode really go hand in hand. Once I shifted my heart and my perspective to go alongside God's design and his guidelines that he gave us, I started to see real change. It was amazing. It doesn't mean that you have to be walked over. It doesn't mean that your husband gets the final say every time. And if that's how he feels, if he's one that has taken the man as the head to a whole different level, like what I saw in the church growing up, you can't change him. Sorry, it's not up to you. It has to be God working on his heart. But you can change you. Ask God to show you how you can be supportive and encouraging to him, even through his view on things. Ask him to soften your heart towards your husband and see him the way God sees him. Ask God to give you wisdom in the way that you respond to your husband. As God reveals to you how you can change yourself, things in your marriage will start to shift. And in turn, Your husband will start to see the change and God will begin to work in him and work in his heart. But it all starts with you. There's this funny saying that I heard, the man is the head, but the woman is the neck that turns the head. I'm sure you've heard it. It's an old one. It's funny, but there is some truth to it. As you shift your perspective, as you change your heart, your attitude, the way you speak and support your husband, you become the neck that turns the head. It all starts with you, wife. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of work, but it's totally worth it. It will probably take time before you can see anything change. Please don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Just keep going forward. Let God work in you. And in turn, everything else will change around you. It does take two to make a marriage work. And when the husband isn't wanting to change things or doesn't think something needs to change, you have to let God intervene. 
So focus on you, focus on working in what you need to work on and let God do the rest. Get on your knees and pray. The Proverbs 31 woman is really a model of strength and support. Episode 31, so it's a long time ago, it discusses a bit about the Proverbs 31 woman, but she truly is an example of what a woman should be, of what the Ezer wife is. She shows strength, wisdom, support. She takes pride in her role as a wife and mom, and she does not diminish the roles that God has put in her. She is proud of who she is. Wives, or or those that are praying to be a wife someday, let's take these God-given abilities that we have to be the strength, the support, the wisdom, the aid to make a change in our marriage. You can do it. I know you can. If someone like me was able to get past my negative view on everything that I grew up seeing and shifting my negative view on what the Bible says about a wife's role to see the beauty and the strength in what that role actually is and change my heart and change my attitude to make a positive change in my marriage, I know you can. I'd love to hear from you and help you work through this. Book an individual coaching session with me or you can come join us in the Restored Mama Method and get that group coaching program so we can work through this together. I can't wait to know you more and see your marriage ignite its God-given purpose and passion. Let's put God back in the middle of our marriages to see that change that we so strongly desire. All right, Mama, I love you. Remember, RestoredMama.com, check out the program. Shoot me an email if you have any questions or you just want to talk through things. I'd love to hear from you. Bye, Mama. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you liked the episode, please take a moment to leave a review. This helps to get Restored Mama out there into the world to help more mamas like you find the joy and freedom in the restoration God has waiting for them. If you liked Mama's show, leave a review. It will help her get seen. I would love to hear your story, where you're at, and what you're hoping to learn and gain from Restored Mama. Send me an email at restoredmamapodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com to fill me in on your journey. I can't wait to hang out with you again next time. Until then, I hope this has blessed you today, and I can't wait to see what God is going to do in your life.